It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. We call this our scattered thunderstorm season, as we release one episode each week in anticipation of our exciting winter daily podcast series starting January 17th. To learn more about our training programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Well, Eric, this is our final episode in this special 12-week series that we've been walking through, this 1,000 Daily Deaths. And I don't know about you, this has actually been a delightful little series that we've been walking through. Really enjoyed it. I think it's timely. And if anyone missed it, I I do think it's uh, worth a review. I think uh, it was 12 very significant. Well, we haven't gotten to today's yet. So 11 up to this point. (laughs) Very, very significant things that I think are very important for such a time as this uh, in the church. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next week, we're launching our brand new series as we're, I mean, you, I mean you I'm, and I are both very excited. I am pretty about excited. That. There's something about, I mean, actually, this has been such a delightful season of walking through just one a week, one to get people time to get caught up on past series, uh, but two, it just kind of removes some of the, the intense pressure. Yeah. One, it gives us time to study for these yeah. upcoming series, but it gives people just time to be able to percolate with the truth. Mm-hmm. Will you quickly talk about what series are you starting mm-hmm. next week and why should someone listen to it? Mm-hmm. God willing, uh, the the series is is titled "The Spiritual Lessons from Abe Lincoln's America." And I'm going to be dealing with not just Abe Lincoln, not necessarily the Civil War, even though it doesn't mean I will not dabble in that. That is one of my fascination points, and I've taught it in the past. But uh, it's the antebellum period. It's the period basically, typically understood between 1812 and 1861, before the war, before the war that. Uh, created a rift in our entire nation. And it's a pretty big deal when a nation goes to a civil war and 750,000 people die in it, and when brother fights against brother. And what my concern is right now is I want us as the church to thrive in this, and I want us to leverage history and leverage the Word of God to respond better than the church did in that day and age, and to not fall for the bait of the enemy to be divisive and to be uh, to allow the enemy to play us like a fiddle and to break us apart, because the devil is all about uh, division and he's all about uh, partisanship. And so I I desire to see we as a church educated and trained up to be excellent in being unified and have a. A more perfect union. I'll just put it that way. That's a great idea. And I'm, I'm going to be walking through a series on the book of Colossians, looking at the entire book of uh, of Colossians. And if someone's interested in actually learning how to study the Bible and kind of walk through an entire book study with me in a very simplistic sense, because, you know, I've been, like in Ephesians, there's a lot of episodes. But in this, there's just 14 simple episodes of walking through an overview, a survey of the book itself. So I think it's going to be a really rich time of looking at the whole Abraham Lincoln and, and the the unity of the body of Christ in light of all that, uh, as well as doing a, a book study in the book of Colossians. That could be great. So all that starts next Monday, January 17th. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally excited. So Eric, and this is this is our last episode, our last uh, talking point in these 12 important truths. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we just wanted to end with in terms of just encouraging those who are listening is this idea that the call of Christianity is not to be partway in. It's, it's not a duplicit thing. It's not a, let's stride a fence. It's actually a call to be all in. Mm-hmm. Could you flesh that out a little bit? I think in the Old Testament, you know, when we see the idea of the tithe, which means a tenth, uh, we get this notion that this, our spiritual life 
God's asking for basically around a tenth of our life, a tenth of our resource, a tenth of our time. And if we are giving him a portion, then he's sort of satisfied and he pats us on the back. And I, I feel like that mentality is very dangerous and it's hazardous to the health of the church of Jesus Christ because New Testament Christianity is a purchase. We are bought with a price. Everything that we are, every bit of our being no longer belongs to us. So our time is not just 90% ours, 10% God. It's 100% God. And our energies, our resources, our giftings, our talents, our dreams and our ambitions, these belong to Jesus Christ. And the only version of Christianity that changes the world is the one that recognizes that. The one that is set ablaze for God doesn't just carry a little uh, you know, sparkler uh, around going, oh, I'm on fire for Jesus, but the one whose very life is a torch and the one who says, I am all in for Jesus Christ. And so it's not a 10% tithe, though I do think there's a lot of wisdom in regards to how you handle your personal finances to consider a tithe as a reasonable point of, uh, of thought, of practicals. Uh, but it's 100%. It's 100% givenness. It's 100% investment. It's 100% his. Yeah, I think that's just beautiful. One of the things I really esteem about the, the, the women and men of yesteryear is that full givenness of Jesus Christ. I, I love what Dale Moody used to, he used to quote Henry Varley. Uh, so Henry Varley, when he was over in England, made the comment of, the world is yet to see what God can do through a man fully yielded to him. Hmm. And when Dale Moody heard that, he says, well, by God's grace, I aim to be that man. <laughs> and yet I actually look at Dale Moody's life as incredible as it was, because uh, he really was not that talented, uh, you know, <laughs> which is encouraging for me. Uh, <laughs> And yet God so radically used D.L. Moody in some amazing ways across the Atlantic, yeah. on both sides of the Atlantic, that uh, what I'm going to recognize is even though God used Moody in an amazing way, the world has still yet to see what God can do through a man or woman fully yielded to Christ. And so it's like, well, what does that look like for this generation? Yeah. And yet when you look back at Christian history, one of the things you just start to notice is that the ones that we know of that God radically used to turn the world upside down were those who were fully given. They didn't yeah. just hold back some aspect of their life. They didn't just say, well, okay, God, I'll give you a portion of my life. Mm -hmm. They were all in. It's one of those things that we'd often call, or Hudson Taylor would call, uh, the exchanged life. Mm -hmm. Could you talk about even that terminology of the exchanged life? Mm -hmm. And you have a great illustration that I'd love for you to share as well to flesh that out. Yeah, the, the idea of the exchanged life is my life for his. And it's almost the equivalent. I mean, what we see in communion is it's equivalent of like vows at a wedding. And you know, God is basically setting his life before us. And he's saying, will you marry me? Will you take of my life? And a lot of us just want to take the cup and drink it, but we don't realize that in a sense, we're exchanging something for it, that we're giving him our life in response. A marriage vow doesn't function very well if the husband's just like, hey, here's me. And the wife's like, oh, well, thank you. And she gets all of the husband, but he doesn't get her. It's a oneness. It's a unity of even will of saying, I give my life to you in exchange. You give your life to me. And that's what a covenant is. And so those vows are in exchange and they go both ways. And so many of us have appropriated Christianity where we have received the vow from God and we're like, so thankful. It's a genuine Thanksgiving. Like, thank you for giving your life. But he says, the only way for this to work is I need yours. And what happens then is here I am in this body. 
But my body, when I believe in Jesus, now is, in a sense, encompassed in Jesus Christ. By faith, I am now clothed in a robe of righteousness, which gives me access into the heavenly realms. And I am a new creature in Christ, but it's a spirit man that is resurrected. So this body is still an old body, but there's a spirit man, which is a new creature that is now in Christ. And where is Christ? Well, his physical body is there. My physical body is down here. So it's strange when we say we're seated in heavenly places in Christ. It's like, what? I'm right here in Windsor, Colorado right now. What is that supposed to mean? It's true. My physical body is here, but my spiritual man is actually secured. And nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I am literally in the heavenly places. His body is there. My body's here. But my spirit man is, seems to be there, but his spirit is here in me. And so it's an exchange. And so I am in him, he is in me. And as a result, I can now function in this body the way that I never could before. And the secret to Christianity isn't me attempting in this body to muscle my way, to imitate the grand life of Jesus. It's me giving up my life and receiving his life. So now in this life, he can perform what only he could perform. Our illustration that we typically use at Ellerslie is a glove and a hand. A glove by itself is like a human body without the spirit of God. It's helpless to do anything. Apart from me, you can do nothing, says Jesus. But with that hand, that invisible hand known as the power of God, the almighty, the Holy Spirit entering into that glove, which is that glove is made in the image of the hand. And when that, hand, that glove submits and gives up its life, then suddenly the movements of the hand are revealed in and through the glove. And the glove can now do supernatural things that when it was by itself apart from the hand, it could not do. I think one of the things that our, our generation desperately needs is that. Yeah. We need men and women who are actually living the Christian life, who are not just saying, all right, God, I'll give you my Sunday, yeah. you know, and maybe a Wednesday night if I'm really spiritual. But Lord, <laughs> here's my life. Take my life, let it be fully yours. Uh, would you talk about the uh, exchange of like pebbles and, and diamonds? Mm -hmm. Because I think for a lot of people, the idea of exchanging my life and, and giving up my life for the sake of Christ mm -hmm. seems almost like a waste. Or it's like, mm -hmm. well, what benefit do I get? It seems yeah. like seems like I'm I'm losing everything, which yeah. you are, yeah. but you're actually gaining everything. Yeah, and you always want to encourage people. It's like even if you got nothing back, he's still deserving of it, right? But we do get something back and it is exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. It is so grand. You see, the secret to Christianity is giving up everything, but trusting that he is sustaining you with his everything when you do. And so it goes back to, you know, his Sermon on the Mount where he is going to reference that concept of, you know, you can see the heathen and what they're concerned about, but I'm going to tell you, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things that you're concerned about, I'm going to take care of. And that's the principle of the kingdom of heaven. So he says, give everything. It's like, well, God, that's my everything. I won't have anything if I give up everything. And that's not true. <laughs> you see, when you give up everything and you become poor in spirit, then you, in a sense, suddenly have access to the vault of heaven. So it's like we're holding on to these pebbles and the pebbles are worthless, truly. Try and go up, try and sell your pebbles to someone down the street. Just go up to a house and say, hey, how much do you want to give me for my pebbles? They're not going to give you anything for it. It's worthless to them. However, for you, it's, it's all you have. So you're clinging to it. And Jesus says, you know what? Your grip is being wasted. If you would let go of those pebbles, I would like to hand you a handful of jewels. In fact, I have trainloads of jewels, but you need to let go 
of what's in your grip to be able to begin to take possession of what I can only give you when you empty yourself. So the exchange is so grand. We give up such minuscule nothingness to gain such massive somethingness and but to do it, you have to give up your life. And that's where most people stumble. They want to cling to that which is temporal, that which is earthly. And as a result, they don't get the grand benefit that Jesus came to give us. Yeah, I'd highly encourage someone to read Second Peter 1, 3, and 4. It's one of my favorite passages, but just that idea that everything we need for life and for godliness mm-hmm. is found in one place, Jesus. Yeah. And now because of his exceedingly great and precious promises, we actually get to share in his divine nature, which is so mind-boggling Amen. to me that, that, that I mean, it's just, oh, it's, it's one of my favorite <laughs> thoughts. But he really is all, all that we need. Amen. I think as we've looked back at these 12 weeks of just 12 things that Christians desperately need in this time and this hour, I, I love the fact that we're finishing with this one because this really is, in my mind, the heartbeat of all of them. Yeah. We, we need Christians who are actually living as Christians. We need believers who are not just esteeming the Christian life. We want, we want believers who are actually living full tilt, Amen. who in the book of Acts, what you see is here are these early, this early church, and they literally turned the world upside down, Amen. Acts 17, verse 6. Amen. So what would it look like in this time, in this day and age, with all the craziness and all the political mumbo-jumbo and finances and mm-hmm. economy and stuff, what would happen if we as Christians actually lived as Christians? Amen. And is it possible for God to once again turn the world upside down? Amen. Yes. It is possible. We believe it. Amen. <laughs> Eric, just from a heart of a pastor, would you mind even just closing us in prayer, not just for this episode, but for this entire Amen. series? Amen. And just pray a blessing uh, and just a, a movement of God upon those who are listening that we would actually do this very thing and actually live as Christians. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we approach your throne of grace. And we acknowledge our need that apart from you, we can't do this. So Lord, we acknowledge that we need what you have come to give us. We need all of it, every bit of it. So to receive it, we want to relinquish every bit of who we are. Lord, take us, take our futures, our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, our talents, our giftings, take our bank accounts, take our careers, take our families. Lord, we want you to take all of this and use it for your glory. Lord, there's only one reason that we are here and it's for you. So Lord, we want to live well. And we can only live well by giving up our lives. So here they are, Lord Jesus. Take them and use them. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would build your church in this hour and that you would shine forth and allow the nations to behold your glory. We love our King. We love Jesus Christ. And it's in that precious name that we ask this. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. To learn more about our training programs or to support this podcast, visit us at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.